Security Podcast. Hey, thanks for joining this special episode of Hackwork. And we are doing today a live show on Twitter Spaces. And I'm doing this together with my fantastic co-host from Washington, D.C., Tyler Cohen-Woods. And we have as well some special guests in the show and here on the stage. It's Evan Kerstel, Evram Gohtheil, and Rob May. Hi, welcome to the show. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for Thank inviting me. Uh, looking forward to uh, having a great time. Cool. And today we want to talk about 2021. And I've prepared a little trailer for that. <laughs> Hold the door. Hold on. So we want to talk about 2022. And the cybersecurity outlook. So, any one of you wants to start with his prediction, what will be the hot shit in cybersecurity in 2022? So, I guess I'll uh, I'll open the floor here. Okay. Um, so, you know, this one isn't much of a stretch. We all know AI is is an integral part of every single technology, um, and AI is going to be used more and more in cybersecurity. So, for example. Um, we know that ransomware has been running rampant in 2021, hospitals being shut down, universities, critical infrastructure. I mean, it's, it's becoming a plague and it's getting worse and worse. And now we've got the log4j vulnerability and, and hackers are having a field day with that. Um, so my prediction is that there's going to be more AI tools that will um, take a contextual um, examination of of a uh, of a request. So, for example, if somebody's trying to log into a company's network with uh, the sysadmin's uh, credentials, but that the request is coming from somewhere in Kazakhstan. Uh, but the sysadmin um, just logged in from Dallas, Texas three hours ago. So there's no way he's coming from there. So that's going to raise a red flag. Um, and, and there will be much, much more um, examination of uh, the network as a whole and, and individual packets coming in and out, which is something that um, humans... Uh, are becoming increasingly uh, challenged to do that, given given the numerous attack vectors. Um, you know, we have connected devices all over the place. Um, so we're going to be relying on more and more AI tools as time goes on. Okay, which is a good prediction. And to me, it sounds a little bit like credit card fraud. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of prediction out there to on behavior tracking, to identify if a credit card is used in from depending on the context. Um, and yes, I would totally agree that AI is, I think, not a game changer, but is an additional very, very good tool uh, to identify um, 
from the context of the user and the behavior, if this is a malicious behavior or uh, a natural behavior, let's say it that way, which is a good point. Yeah. But everyone, <laughs> let me be the bittersweet symphony in there. Isn't that usually my job? <laughs> no, it's mine. The, bitter, the bittersweet symphony is, hey, attackers can use AI as well. They, yeah. they are using AI. Yeah. But I think Avraham brought up a really good point. I think, you know, AI, we're, we're getting there. And I think, you know, 2020 with COVID really forced a lot of innovation in AI very, very quickly. And I do think that he's absolutely correct that we will see a lot more um, <clears throat> very well working AI, you know, by the end of 2022. Yeah. I hope so. But I'm a little bit aware of that in the cybersecurity industry, AI seems to be the hot shit. Everybody is printing <laughs> AI on his flyers and uh, web stuff. So, But however, sometimes it's just statistic analytics in behind, which is fine. I mean, if you can do what you want and, and you manage, it's fine. You don't have to put AI on it. But well, that seems to be a lot of marketing bullshit as well in the cybersecurity space. Hey, don't don't put the, put marketing bullshit down. As a marketing person, I, I really resent that. I, I try to craft very excellent bullshit, and I have very high bullshit standards. <laughs> so, so okay, I just like what, it. so AI as a hot shit for 2022 in cybersecurity uh, for the defenders. The next one here on stage. Evan, what is your 2022 hot shit prediction in cybersecurity? I think we're going to get uh, some fun cyber war games going. Okay. It's really going to be great. We're going to see some mm -hmm. nice offensive action from uh, three-letter agencies in the U.S. after really not doing anything publicly, at least for, you know, ever. But I think uh, given the midterms and Biden's posture and we're going to see offensive <coughs> cyber activity, cyber warfare activity, particularly if Russia decides to go into Ukraine like we've never seen it before. Or it could yeah. be in Taiwan or other places preceding, you know, actual military operations. But I think the gloves are going to be really taken off maybe for the first time. And we've had, you know, low level cyber warfare but we may it may get up i think it'll go up a notch or two even higher next year with all the geopolitical stuff going on i think you're a hundred percent right <clears throat> and i think it's about time you know that we started taking more offensive actions and actually also you know more defensive actions you know going after um ransomware Uh, gangs and, and really actually going after them. I think that it's this has been a pivotal year for that. I, I agree with everything you said. That was very eloquent. <laughs> But hey, I'm the only European here talking with US guys. It's like I'm talking with Texas. <laughs> Don't mess with Texas. Yes, we know you're a pacifist, Mirko, but unfortunately <laughs> we're very good in the US at blowing shit up. So <laughs> No, I mean, really, I, think, yes. I think it goes kinetic. I think we start to drone some of these uh, data centers or some of these actors, yep. not just through bits and bytes and malware and yep. 
but through kinetic uh, action. Yes, so, I, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you because it, when 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 the colonial pipeline shit was happening, I mean, this was uh, a really a paradigm shift. I think so because the U.S. government has stated this as an act of terror, which leads in a completely different area of counteractions they can do if this is a terrorist action and not a cyber criminal action. So yes, drone strikes on ransomware hackers are by that a possible way of counteraction. You know, I don't think it has to come to that though. Uh, I think it, I think it's a lot simpler. I mean, obviously it depends on the nature of the attack and, and the severity, but we have enough people in the ethical hacker community um, to go after these attackers using the same methods that they come after us. Um, hack into their environment, uh, leverage botnets and throw at them every tool we've got. To oh, Avril, you're no fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm actually concerned that um, that China and Russia are actually work and Iran are working together now, and that's a lot of cyber power that we have to defend against. They are not working together, Tyler. This is the, the this is the clash of clans. All these nations, <laughs> yeah, they have their own stakes. I mean, they are not cooperating on that level. I don't believe that, but I'm as well concerned because all of I mean, at least China, Russia, US, not Germany, <laughs> they are all cyber warfare superpowers. I don't want to see them clashing. <clears throat> Trying to get Rob on still. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, what? one of the predictions that, that, that I think is going to happen is I think I think a lot of people have seen, you know, cyber insurance. I think it's going to change significantly because when you think about it, like if I'm, if, if I have insurance for my car, well, everyone does, but the chances of me getting into an accident, you know, I may never get into an accident. So it, it, the premiums actually make them money. But when you're dealing with cyber, we all know it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So it's kind of a losing model. So I believe what they're going to start doing is putting very stringent requirements on um, what companies have to do, like quarterly pen test reviews, or it's going to be a lot harder, I think, to get cybersecurity insurance. Yeah. Um, someone has a strange backup noise, background noise. I don't know who it is, but maybe you should mute yourself if you're not speaking. Um It's Avrohoma, I think so. Um, I guess I guess it was me. Busted. <laughs> I will drone strike Good you. Job, You're not behaving. <laughs> no, Tyler, first of all, what I know from the cyber insurance industry, what I've heard is they are all in super, super pain because the insurances are not paying out. I mean, they are all miscalculated. And then coming back to the point of the fighting back, like, as Evan said, will there be a military invention and stuff like that? What I really would like to know is, does a cyber insurance as well cover if the cyber attack has been carried out by, by a nation state? If this is a military act? 
No, I think they don't <clears throat> pay in act of war warfare. So. I think that's true. There's another angle here, and that is the cyber insurance will basically cover the financial aspect of a hack or a data breach, um, you know, whatever their liability might be or whatever the damage might be. But one thing that cyber insurance cannot cover is the loss of reputation. And, and uh, you know, I think it's something that people just need to be educated on and that it's, it's much more than a, a financial loss that businesses are suffering when it comes to these cyber attacks. Did you say education, Abraham? Do we live in the same country in the U.S.? Because we can't no, even I mean, convince I, people to put a mask on, much less understand <laughs> cybersecurity, uh, you know, challenges. So I, I'm in New York. It, it's a different country here. I mean, Bye, really, everybody. it's like there's there's so much uh, and, and, and antipathy about cyber and the risks and, you know, another breach, another day. It's just another headline. There's no uproar. No one's calling their congressman or, you know, fighting for change in regulations. People have just become immune to it all. It's, it's really kind of sad. For all of you on the stage, Rob has managed to come oh, to man. the stage. Hi. <laughs> Hi it took hey, a little Rob. bit of work, but we got it, him on. It did. Finally. It did. <laughs> I just turned it off and turned it back on again. <laughs> oh, Listen, did you have like that, that usually fixes it? Yeah, just a just a comment on. I've been so frustrating. I could hear everything that was being said and couldn't talk. But on the um, on the insurance, certainly in the UK, we're seeing a couple of things. One, insurance premiums massively increasing, yeah. but also the insurers removing human-aided breaches so basically um anyone fishing the human element um which which is really vague <laughs> you know when when you think about how many how many breaches come via phishing or, or whatever um so yeah big changes in the insurance market for sure what does it mean human-aided so can you explain it I think where somebody's actually clicked on something, where where a hu where it can be pinpointed that a human has actually done something, um, i.e., a member of your staff, then a lot of the insurance policies won't touch that moving forward. Okay, so if That's this isn't sorry, sorry, if this is an internal attacker, for example, they will not cover it. Well, they, they he 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 means like. If I work for your company and <clears throat> I get a phishing email and I click a link and all of a sudden we've got ransomware in the network, they're not going to cover it because it was. Oh, great. 80% of the cases now. Are yeah, absolutely. So, good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, exactly 80% of the cases humans are involved. And to, to be honest, I don't blame the humans. I blame the people who are not patching the Active Directory or to a misconfiguration there. I mean. Yeah, I think I think also what we're going to see in 2022 is a real ramping up of um, zero trust deployment. I think people have just got to get got to get tougher. I mean, in the States, they talked about that, didn't they? Um, in the May 
May 21, uh, Biden exec order, they talked about recommending zero trust architectures. And I think once once the government starts pushing that out, we'll see private organisations following suit much quicker. I think I think zero trust is a bit like teenage sex. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> I, I, I should probably finish that sentence. Um, no. I, <laughs> You're not allowed to finish that. You, you know, with you know, with teenage sex, teenagers, everyone says that they're doing it, but nobody actually is. And uh, <laughs> I think there's loads of that with zero trust. I, I think loads of people don't get it. Um, or think they've done it. They think they've bought yeah. it, and of course you can't. It's, you can't buy it. It's not off the shelf, and and you've never completed it. It's an it's an ongoing process. So, but I I think we'll really see that ramped up in the next next twelve months. It has been 2021 heavily marketing bullshit overloaded. Yes. Oh? <laughs> and then you see a lot of companies. They think they can enable zero trust by buying tools or stuff like that to me as well it's more like a management procedure i mean yeah i agree yeah okay good point so uh, tyler i was just gonna say you want me to throw out another one yeah <laughs> i think privacy is going to be huge this year i think it's going to be one of the things that are really front and center and i think a lot of it is is actually going to be driven by the consumer. Yeah, that's I totally disagree. You Pri disagree yeah, that privacy, pri privacy is going to be a big concern? Yeah, no, that privacy is a concern, I, I agree, but that privacy is driven by the consumer, I disagree. To me, almost consumers give nothing on privacy. Is that true? I think so. I think I think it's how we build Facebook and uh, and the like into you know trillion dollar companies. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if we care so much, which I think I, is kind of good news in that Apple has taken the counter marketing tact to Facebook at all, and that could get some traction with Apple's you know quote unquote privacy push, yeah, which is really marketing, but I think it's still better for consumers than nothing. What do you think? I think Tyler has a point in that there's a distinction between free software and software or apps that you pay for. And, and I think that, yeah, that with, with free stuff, you're kind of giving up your privacy because you, you know the saying that if you're not paying for something, then you're the product. Um, yeah, that's a good. That's good. <laughs> but for things that we pay for, for businesses that we deal with on a daily basis, I think consumers, I, th I think there's you will see more of a push for consumers um, advocating or, or or being more concerned about their privacy. I yeah, but I th I agree, um, but I I don't think it will be consumers that. I think it's going to be a massive subject, but I think that it's going to be a massive subject because governments will pass more privacy laws, both nationally yeah. and you know via state, you know, state they, laws and so on. They, they already are. There's a couple of states that already have laws that are going into into act um, that are somewhat similar to the California privacy law. 
I think it's Virginia's one, Wisconsin. Um, and, and I mean, basically, you know, if you're running a business, you're going to have to adhere to whatever the most stringent um, privacy policy of your users is. No, uh, yeah, it's a good point. I, and let me be optimistic. I really like it that in the US you have the discussion about privacy because I'm from Germany. I mean, we have this discuss discussion since it's on our gene DNA. We are the privacy nation. So, but we are using Google and Android anyway. <laughs> no, but it, I really like it. I mean, this gives, gives me as some hope because, okay, I agree that there seems to be that the awareness is rising that privacy is something which you need to take care of. And that's in the yes, that's remarkable. Yeah. I think social engineering is going to continue to be big as well throughout throughout the year. That's not that's not going anywhere. No. You're you're a hundred percent right. I mean that's it's been a problem really for a long time and it's gonna be continue to be a problem because it works. What do you think about AI and social engineering? Do we will see in 2022 any remarkable proof of concepts where, for example, deep fakes will be used to cheat people? Yeah, I think I think that's an inevitability. I mean the um, the fact. Uh, I mean to to use Tyler's words, the the fact that social engineering works, cyber criminals are going to continue to invest in that and to to push that and and ai and deep fakes um is just a, another way to to fool people isn't that and perfectly if, if i had a look in this kind of sound emulation apps i mean this is amazing isn't it i can go for yeah. a phone call and i sound like europe <laughs> <laughs> you're a lucky man yes <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing isn't it think about like this um payment fraud schemes where the boss is calling and takes pressure on the treasury department to make the payment immediately because it's an important contract blah 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 i mean if you can fake that with deep fakes the voice of your boss that's cool yeah, yeah no absolutely and that's happening isn't it so it's only it's only going to uh It's only going to happen more. Yep. That's why. That's why it's really. It's a good idea to have a code word. Yeah. Which I know is a very low tech solution to a high tech problem, but it works. It works. They yes. Can't fake that. And for everybody out there who is listening on one of our next episodes of Hack Work, uh, we have already recorded it an episode on social engineering, and we we're exactly discussing about this counteractions like code works. Uh, to identify people on so phone I, I have one more prediction. Oh, yeah. yes. What? Yeah. So I think uh, two-factor and multi-factor will really take off after being at pathetically low levels for quite some time. Um, I, and I think the, the, the services, the apps, are going to start making it mandatory. We saw Google basically turn it on for all subscribers. We're seeing more companies offering multi-factor, you know, security keys 
In fact, I, I just recently signed up for a crypto service, a crypto.com, uh, you know, an exchange, and they actually insist on uh, multi-factor the security key just to use their service. So I think this situation where we've been in where, you know, any service, people, 2% of the people turn on two-factor will be, you know, really rapidly coming to an end as, as services make it mandatory. And thank God that so much of like all the social media hacks are, are just simple, simple, ridiculous password hacks that could be thwarted with even just two factor, let alone, you know, a Ubico, Ubico key or something. Yeah, I think you're right, Evan. I mean, and it kind of beggars belief that they don't just more don't turn it on. You know, we've we've had this misinformation uh, reported in the last couple of days um, from LastPass in terms of, of oh, password yeah. manager, now, which turned out, you know, not not to be a problem. It was it was misreported. However, or at least they're not know, sharing that. Yeah, but but some of their advice was turn on multi-factor authentication. So you've got you've got people who are investing in in password management to protect their security and then not turning on multi-factor authentication on that. I mean, it's yeah. just it's crazy. And then That's use crazy. a password, which is in a hash table. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. What else? Supply chain. Oh, yes. Oh, My yeah. topic. My topic. Supply chain. Yeah. I mean, 2021 has started with a large major supply chain attack, Solar Wines Orion. And 2021 is ending with a large supply chain attack, which is Log4J. Yeah. So, I mean, it will continue in 2022. It's already because all the the actors, they see a lot of things they can win uh, when they compromise the supply chain. By the way, this is not new. It was already carried out uh, a long time before. But I think now the attackers have as well um, let's say optimized the way how to identify the libraries which are super important or the vendors which are super important and which are not well recognized like this um, vendors where two-third um, of their power is below the water like an iceberg and Log4J is brilliant have you seen um, that log for for J and the Java Maven um, ecosystem is so deeply involved. I mean, um, there's almost let's say no serious library or project which is not using uh, log for J. So this is really a heavy attack. Uh, and now I see administrators applying the fourth patch. <laughs> I mean, there will be a fifth, a sixth. I mean, people are spending their nights on patching servers. That's and that's over Christmas and New Year. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I, I think um, you know the Caseo attack as well on Fourth of July. That that was a real wake up call. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. In terms of supply chain, um, you know, attacking all the MSPs. And uh, getting into the clients that way—I mean, that—that was—that was horrendous. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, I read a stat uh, a couple of days ago that said that supply chain attacks against tech companies increased 2,300 percent in 2021. Yeah, that's also an interesting figure. I, I read wow. 650 percent, but I mean, however, it's it's a massive increase because many. Many attackers out there, they see a big opportunities in attacking these companies. Yeah. Yeah. And so many small businesses are part of the large company supply chain, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, it's getting in further down, further down the chain where perhaps security is not so good. Or misconfigure, or there's misconfigurations. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we see that definitively. So um, as I'm in the supply chain, software supply chain security business, I'm very convinced that 2022 would be a great year for us on protecting companies. Unfortunately, it would be as well a great year for attackers because we will see a lot of successful attacks carried out. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. But you know, uh, I mean, twenty twenty one wasn't all bad. There there were some really good things that came out of it too, and I think Evan can probably speak to this. There's been a lot of innovation and advancements in areas like health tech, fintech, and I mean, they've really been spurred on by by COVID because. You know, we have to find new ways to do things like e-payments and you can't always just go to the doctor because of, of, of COVID. So a lot of things have moved to telehealth and I know there's been a lot of innovation in that space. Evan? Yeah, and I think, I think despite all the negative stories, you know, and all the Zoom bombing and some of the negativity around video, video worked well. It was pretty secure pretty reliable. Uh, the encryption kind of worked. We didn't hear about people logging on Joe Biden's Zoom uh, calls. or Is he using you know, Zoom? We hear about <laughs> he's using Cisco, but yeah, the equivalent. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't have massive breakdowns in like the core infrastructure, uh, either security breakdowns like, you know, Cisco and Microsoft were hacked for their remote work platforms or You know, we didn't read about massive yeah. holes on tunneling and encryption. It all sort of stood up. So, so yeah, that, that's an, at huge scale, right? Yes. Yeah. That, that's yeah. normal. Yeah. And I think what was remarkable to me as well, that the infrastructure was dealing well with the scaling we had. I mean, like all the internet backbone providers, um, they did very well with all this uh, scaling of bandwidth. They did. I, I can't take credit for this point. Um, someone made this point to me, James Alaban. Um, and he said, if, if COVID had happened in any other time in our history, we would be dead in the water. But because we have this technological backbone and this base, we were able to quickly adjust. And I know this was more 2020 than 2021, but we were able to quickly shift to a work at, from home environment. And if that had happened at any other time, like in the 60s, we would be dead in the water. Yeah, which is a good point. If I think, 
at, at our company, for example, everybody's in the home office and it works very well. Yeah, and and huge, huge, you know, bonus and it was it worked fantastically, but of course it's also widened that threat surface, hasn't it? And as companies, continue, as companies continue to work from home, um, there's still that whole cybersecurity piece for, for work from home or work from anywhere that 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 needs to be addressed. And I think one of one of the risks is for so many businesses, they think we've done that and it and it works. But they did it in a rushed way and they don't realize that they've now got these additional risks that that need attending to. And I think we have to as an industry, we've we've got to push that agenda through through throughout the next twelve months as well. So is 2022, Rob, the year where the corporates need to consolidate their increased attack surface? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, and again, this is, whether you think it's marketing BS or, or, or not, I, I think this is where um, the whole zero trust message has really been ramped up this, this last year. Because I, I think businesses do need to do it. I think also we're we're seeing, we will see a change. That, you know, no business is in the same scenario yet. In terms of some businesses are still haven't gone back into the workplace, whilst others have been back there for a good while. But the, the, this, there's more challenges as as businesses readjust to whatever new normal is i hate the term new normal but um you know how we do business in 2022 um adjusting to to what the challenges are yeah and I, th i think e-commerce won't fade i think we saw like 12 years of e-commerce e-commerce gross uh growth in two years i don't see that like retreating regardless of work from home people are just too comfortable now Right. Shopping. They, I mean, they were pre-pandemic, but now just we're just so ad adjusted to the online shopping reality and and payments online, and we're not scared in the least. In fact, it's the opposite. A lot of us don't want to go into the store. Right. And I, think, with I think with the metaverse, it's going to grow even more. Ah, you you <laughs> said bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the metaverse. Bingo. Oh, bingo, yes. We, yeah, we waited 30 minutes for the word metaverse. Now, Arom, <laughs> you have to justify yourself. I, I, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Although I agree with Abraham, the one use case I actually see for the metaverse besides gaming is actually commerce, shopping. You want to experience the product maybe see it in ar kind of touch and feel it in fashion it's going to be huge so that that's probably the one area i think will really succeed is when but the, this idea of working in the metaverse and collaboration is silly but yeah e-commerce shopping gaming probably will be a success yes yeah. i wonder at what stage we we start to discuss about SOM, security of metaverse. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you heard it here first. SOM. Yeah. <laughs> SOM. Security of the Metaverse. So what do we need for security of the Metaverse? In Mark Zuckerberg, we trust. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Now yeah. I go back to my shell. <laughs> <laughs> But it, I mean, more on the industrial side, people have, are using 3D modeling, CAD, CAM, and collaboration yeah. tools to build, you know, Airbus planes today so there's a lot of stuff that's very like the metaverse that's very real uh, i worked with a company called dasso systems you build a plane in 3d it's it's incredible yep. so wow of, as we know on the industrial side a lot of this is happening but it's not consumer oriented it's not for consumers these are you know 10 million dollar pieces of software uh, but yeah you put strap on ar and you do modeling of engines and wings and sharing documents so it's kind of happening behind the scenes that's cool I, w i was invited by the european mm -hmm. space agency to go for a virtual work walk on this on the um iss which was amazing <laughs> because Wait, what? yeah I, i mean they have this kind of simulation tools for training people for the iss so even ground level or people are going into the space space mission so um, i was invited to go for a virtual um, test drive uh, which was cool so i was on the iss on unfortunately metaverse <laughs> <laughs> take me with you next time Urkel. yeah which, which was cool and to be honest it's really like it's a tin can um so and you have really you're getting a good feeling of the dimensions if you are inside the space stations and then i had to go for wow. a space walk and Holy shit, this was so scary. <laughs> Because you really, I mean, you're outside the space station and you're looking downwards and you see this, the space and the globe. I think this was all oh. just a dream, Mirko. I no, this was, I mean, this people doing that in, in reality, they have balls of steel. What, what did you, what did you wear? Was it an Oculus or like, what did you yeah. wear VR wise? <laughs> yeah, they're not using Oculus. Because of security reasons. <laughs> did, did you have a space suit on? No, 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 no. It was. I, I haven't the space suit. But no, exactly. I was in my underwear, and and even like if you see other people doing that, what is so funny is it looks so silly. <laughs> Because you don't know what they are doing. I mean, so by that the metaverse to me it's um, it's nice, but I have seen it so many times before. Um, yeah. I mean, so now let's see why this idea of the metaverse will succeed while yes, others have life. failed. That was a real success. Yeah, how long? I don't know. But every time I'm negative, everyone's very, you know, very upset with me. So I'll try to be positive. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not upset. It's interesting that you said that about about the fashion, because I do think that that is going to be one of the, 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 the big uses of it. Yeah. You know, I think about I think about even Bitmoji. That I, I I love Bitmoji. I just think it's really funny, and I will actually buy clothes for my my little avatar thing. And <laughs> there's that's a huge space, especially for some of the higher end uh, store, the higher end um, companies and brands. You know, this this really could be a very uh, lucrative business for them. Yeah, Google. But otherwise, I don't get it. The big the big store the. They did a uh, Metaverse demo at H&M 
if you Google it on or YouTube it, you can find it. It's pretty amazing. I'm going to do that. They mocked up. What was the company named Magic Leap? You remember it? Yeah. I mean, they're a billion dollars spent and not nothing to show for it. Although I think they've, they've returned or back from the dead with another product, but okay. I think if we get Apple's uh, glasses in uh, in September 2022, it'll okay. change everything. But uh, the, the, these are only rumors, of course. Yep. Yeah. Makes me think of Sims. Was it Sim City? Is that what that game was called? Leisure Suit Larry. That was a good one. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, no! Uh, that's a generation. I'm surprised people know what that is. I was, I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so cybersecurity for the metaverse. No, I can't imagine on that. Coming no, back. not yet. <laughs> so what about, so bringing it back out of the, the metaverse, what, what about um, ransomware as a service? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to continue. Yeah. You know, big time. There's too much money in it. I mean, if you have a whole business that is now set up, they're ransom negotiators and they'll negotiate between the company and the, the ransom holders. And they make quite a big, quite a, quite a lot of money doing that. It's an established business now. It's crazy. Yeah, totally. And then think about all this uh, ransom money service providers. Which are providing the bitcoins to be paid out. <laughs> However, you know that that's a, that's. In, I'm glad you brought that up, Rob, because you know there's. It, it would be very interesting to see if if within this year, um, a solution comes up that actually can really halt the ransomware problem. The only solution that'll stop them is if people go after them. Yes, I think this, the solution is law enforcement or drone yeah. strikes. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> drone strikes right. are definitely a lot more fun than law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know what's really going to get ugly next year and sad, you know, to bring us back down to earth from the metaverse is crypto related yes. scams, not so much ransomware, just plain old hacks of wallets and. And uh, there's just so many shenanigans happening around crypto wallets now. I hear about people losing thousands every day. Of, because know, right? of wallet hacks. Wallet hacks and all kinds of scams and schemes where people send you coins and, and they hack your wallet. And I mean, that's terrifying. And there's no recourse. It's not like a bank that your money's protected. Right. I mean, okay. you know, it's not I... I By the way, for the people out there listening, if you send me one Bitcoin to my wallet, I will send you two back. <laughs> Start now. That's what we call a black hat. Yes. <laughs> but but yeah, and then there's no it's the Wild West. It's, there's no regulation. There's there was a story about Coinbase, you know, thousands of Coinbase users having money stolen without any recourse and And it's only going to be exponent. It's grow exponentially as crypto kind of grows exponentially, and all these new exchanges come online, and there's no oversight or regulation. And it's so easy to be hacked. I mean, if you if you you know fall for the wrong wallet or you don't update your app, I mean, it's 
it's it's going to be far worse next year than even this year. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, but it makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> no, that's a good point. So, and which is also remarkable that China is banning the Bitcoin and stuff, and the US is stepping in. My friends, have you seen how many miners are now? I think the mining majority is now in US hands. Really? Yeah, sixty percent or something like that. Yeah, because you're so perfect on financial frauds. <laughs> <laughs> because we have cheaper energy than some places, and we have uh, no oversight. We are it's a free, you know, free market. Yeah. So you're not going to get shut down. Yeah, but we have seen as well that the U.S. Uh, financial authority and then in the, the sec, um, I mean, they're having now a closer look on it, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't hear any any move to ban. I mean, regulate. Yes, and the, the IRS is. By the way, Evan, much more involved. But what is? Uh, how is your token? <laughs> it's worth oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. It's it, crypto is awesome. I mean, the thing is, I I love crypto. I love playing with it and having new coins. I have my own coin. But there has to be regulation. Like the company that I partner with rally has compliance and it's a real company and there's customer service and support and but so many of these 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 crypto coins are just so shady and so dodgy i mean it's just consumers are, are i mean what's the latest one a radio shack is coming out with a coin and there's a there's a dow to buy a blockbusters uh, uh copyright and come out with a blockbuster coin i mean there's just You know, so wow. many of these uh, nefarious kind of scam schemes yep. running around out there. It's hard to navigate the whole thing. And think about all the NFTs. Which is, oh, boy. You had yeah. to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see more NFT scams, of course. <clears throat> yeah, the that digital art market, I mean, it is just, it is taken off. What what are your thoughts on NFTs? Well, it's a scam in its own right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Use factor I, 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 just, I just learned, you know, I, I really just learned when you when you buy an NFT, you're not buying a piece of art. You're not even buying digital art. You're, you're buying a URL a link, yeah, to, no. a, yeah, to, to a store somewhere that's to, that's to IPFS. Just a you're, you're Buying an IPFS you know, address. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, And people you know, are paying just... millions of dollars for it. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I love art. I know, Mirko, you're, you're, you're very engaged in the art community in Germany. Yeah. And if this were about supporting artists and art, I'd be all in. But it's just not. It's just most of it, by the way, is bad art. I mean, a picture of a monkey <laughs> for like. Billion dollars or something like that. It's something that interesting. <laughs> I, I'm in the wrong business. I need to start doing NFTs. <laughs> Tyler, we will sell. We'll sell our first podcast episodes as an NFT in go. two years. Okay. Perfect. Let's yeah, do good. It. <laughs> By the way, Vodafone has sold the first SMS ever sent as an NFT. 
I saw that on the news. How much did, did that go for? Oh, I need to Google it. I think it was a charity, isn't it? I don't know. And, and what was the as what was the first SMS? What did it say? <laughs> Hello world? No. <laughs> <laughs> We can hear you typing. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, oh, they said it was a Christmas message. Merry Christmas. I don't believe it. I, for sure it was Hello World. But I would think it would be Hello World too, but who knows? <laughs> Man. Wow. And what was the result? It was 107,000 euros. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they did it for charity, which is good. Oh, that's really nice. That's good. <clears throat> um, it reminds me how expensive SMS was. <laughs> it was like a single SMS. It was normal that you pay 100,000 euros. <laughs> well, I remember testing SMS messaging with Vodafone. And uh, you had to dial into a bulletin board in order to send the message to the phone. You couldn't send in the original testing. You couldn't send from phone to phone. You had to dial into the Vodafone bulletin board and then select the, the cell phone number that you wanted to send the SMS to. <laughs> hey, Rob, we need to test if the backbone server is still operating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay, NFT. And scams with NFT. That's a that's a good prediction for the next year. Anything else? Is there anyone in the audience who wants to share um, a prediction? If yes, we can invite you. I think um, w one of the other things that I've been reading about this week is the fact of how many of the cyber criminals are collaborating. And conversely, how few of the industry collaborate. You know, as as an industry, the various businesses come up with their own services and their own products because that's the commercial world, right? But um, the people we're fighting against are collaborating. And, you know, there's this question about should industry collaborate more? And will 2022 be the year that we see that happen? That's a good question. We have someone from the audience. It's Data Rainbow. And I've just invited him to the stage because he said he wanted to add something. So, hello. Now I've invited him to the stage. You can speak if you would like to do. If not, I have to remove you. On 10, 9, 8... Six. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, if you would, if you'd like to come to the stage to add something, like your prediction for 2022, please uh, just give us a sign. We'll put you on stage. But then you need to speak. <laughs> And by that, Rob, I just interrupted you. Sorry. 
No, no, no. I, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd finished my point just in terms of, you know, this this whole collaboration piece. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Uh, do you think that the cybersecurity industry that there is less less co collaboration in there? Yeah, I, I, I think I think because of of the commerciality aspects of it. Yeah, I suspect that that lots of people work on on their own things, don't they? And it's like you're not copying my homework. Um, yeah. But, that, you know, that's really the problem. You're right. It's it's IP, intellectual property. Yeah, but you look at you know what happens in in on the other side of the track. You know when um, Emotet was bought down, for example, um, Trickbot stepped up to help reseed and and. Emotet carried on again. Um, you know that they were cyber criminal competitors, but they were helping each other out. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, we have Christian here on the stage. Hi, Christian. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, first and foremost, just wanted to say uh, thanks for an awesome session. A lot of wonderful points being made today. Uh, the one point that I just kind of wanted to bring up that I'm surprised I didn't hear about is the uptick in zero days. So I'm really starting to see a lot of that, you know, toward the end of this year. And I absolutely think in 2022, we're going to see even more zero days. So I'd kind of just like to hear all the thoughts on, uh, on that point. Wow, that's a good point. Uh, that's thanks, a very good point. Thanks for adding this, the, the, the zero days. Um, I'm not sure. It's what, I'm, what I was thinking is because there's a big market for zero-day exploits since years. So obviously there are a lot of zero days which haven't been shared <laughs> publicly or uh, not, not disclosed. Uh, but yes, I totally agree. We have seen now with, um, let's say, this NSO group stuff and other stuff that a lot of zero days have become public with the ability to fix it. But yeah. Huge market, huge yeah. market. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, I think maybe some of that is is due to you know the ever increasing cyber landscape as we add more and more and more and more devices. But that's a really good point. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, but has anybody of you read the Google Zero blog post about the NSO group and how they how they were engineering the zero click? exploit i mean this was amazing this was high level high level engineering uh, of a zero day absolutely huge money and huge actual market for that too so i think you know obviously it's that whole thing with more and more folks that are offering up to pay for ransomware a lot of that is then being redirected to fund for a lot of zero day development That's a good point. I think with the huge amounts of money which have been paid for ransomware, for sure they have now a lot of cash to pay for zero days. For sure. That's really a good point. Yeah, I think um, and the whole zero day thing is, is 
a very good point. We 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 should we should have thought to bring it up, but I think that um, there will be a big growth in the marketplace in terms of services that that help customers deal with zero days because I think a lot of it doesn't get done. You know, it, it, even if you look at you know Update Tuesday, just, just literally just looking at Microsoft, the number of businesses that don't patch, um, and you know, zero days excel on the fact that that uh, that people aren't updating and patching. the The other one, the other risk that I think we're going to see far more of is firmware attacks. And I think that's that's a big risk and uh, something that we we will see a lot more of this coming year. Yes, but I was as well super surprised. No, not not super surprised, but it was interesting to see how the level of the zero day exploits. Like, what is the engineering level of of them? And then you see, well, for some of them, I don't believe that this is a, is a single person who developed the zero day. I think there are groups now on there working heavily on it and i mean if you get a million dollar for a zero day on the on the market uh, this is a, a good motivation for people to do this like zero day engineering as a business yeah yeah it's We, a nice business model for them isn't it <laughs> yeah it, it it sure is uh, do you, do you want to we we have data rainbow on the stage what's what's your prediction Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for your great show. I will surely remember the teenager sex comparison. (laughs) 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 Um, I come from a data protection uh, point of view, uh, more than IT security. However, I believe they are both very closely connected. I wanted to bring your attention to something that I hope would develop more in 2022 and forward. Uh, there was a, a French Data Protection Authority CNIL decision on the 13th of December uh, that actually applied Article 32 GDPR, which imposed an obligation of security. That I think it's something that we've been really looking for. It's been frustrating to see that the data protection authorities were not actually enforcing the GDPR. Uh, But if others would follow on the CNIL path and there would be more enforcement and fines on the lack of security, I think that would be great. In Germany, there has been a case of the application of Article 82, which is civil damage, sorry, um, my French accent, Civil damage for uh, non-compliance with the GDPR, for non-material damage, which has also been another frustration because when there is a data breach, it's very difficult to prove the immediate harm. So now we've got a German court that have said there is a harm, although there is no immediate um, uh, proof of the harm, and the damage would be for eventually uh, future harm. But that, I think, it's a quite a good development. It's a good point. As I'm German, um, I know a lot about, like, what is the German attitude on the GDPR? It's 
I think quite tough. Um, if we look at Europe, uh, there's one interesting fact. All the big major tech companies are mainly located their data privacy authority or policy departments in Ireland. <laughs> And that's because the Irish Data Protection Authority is quite, let's say, open for the ideas of them. <laughs> And uh, it seems to be that there is no, let's say, it's hard to get a common attitude um, on this uh, on on a inter international level. It is. I, I was going to say that it, it's you know the GDPR when that came out, um, and what well, that's coming up for four years now. Um, I thought this is great. But every country has managed it differently. You know, um, I think it was in October time, I, uh, I was giving a talk in Malta. And they were saying, it's just crazy. The fines that, that the body that uh, polices GDPR in Malta um, are just giving crazy fines. Like, you know, a few hundred pounds but rather than the... Uh, Yeah, the 20 million, for example, that uh, British Airways got in the in the UK. Um, but even then, you know, if you look at that, British Airways were originally fined 183 million um, GB pounds. And then because of COVID, it got discounted to 20 million. Mm. Um, wow. But every every country is policing it differently. And that that's the challenge. Because in theory, it, it should be great. And and let, let's face it, GDPR was the, the first of the laws that has driven some of the privacy stuff that we were talking about earlier. And that, that can only be a good thing. In theory, there is a consistency mechanism. And that should allow harmonization. But unfortunately, the European Data Protection Board has not really enforced consistency mechanism. No, I agree. And it has gone more or less in every direction where the, the German and the Spanish authorities have been very active. The French was very active and then they went very quiet. They seem to start back again. But yeah, I, Irish DPC is dormant. <laughs> yes. And what, <laughs> and, what, and what makes me really crazy are cookie consent banners. <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean if this is the significant result of the gdpr we are doomed i mean <laughs> although the cookie banners are not gdpr not that's the uh the e-privacy directive okay and that directive is also due to eventually become maybe a regular pan-european regulation it's been Reviewed for a reform, but it's been pushed back constantly. As you can imagine, there's a lot of lobbying going in the back. But who is lobbying? The cookie banner industry? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 no, good point. And uh, what was also remarkable for me as a German, and as you said, the Germans are very keen on the GDPR. I think there was the Zuckerberg hearing. I remember that one of the senators was stating... Do we need in the US something like the GDPR? Which was the first time I really heard that 
a U.S. governor is looking to Europe and he says, well, look, there is a law in Europe. We should um, use that as an adoption for the U.S. as well. That was remarkable. Yeah, yeah and it, it's becoming reality. Yeah. California uh, Privacy Act started and there are more um, U.S. states adopting laws and they are looking more seriously at the more federal regulation. Yeah. Even China got a GDPR kind of regulation. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure they would use it really as a fundamental a law to protect fundamental rights, but they've got the law. Yeah, super. And we had this, um, I think, as well at the beginning of the show. It was one of the prediction, I think, from Tyler, isn't it? Tyler, you said, well, privacy will be one important point. Oh, it's going to be huge. Yeah, it's huge. <clears throat> Great. So uh, we are almost now at an hour. Um, if there is anybody who wants to give a final prediction you're invited anyone has a final a final prediction for next year no one <laughs> if there is silence i would like to I say i actually it. have one more i'd like to add <laughs> if possible sorry yeah. sorry yeah right it's okay end, right at the end Yeah. Um, this is uh, actually a few points back but when we were uh, talking about zero trust You know, that's this huge hype around money and marketing. Yep. But the only thing that I've really been seeing is just more and more products that are being pushed out. So unfortunately, I think in 2022, we will see even more products that are very point specific without a lot of solutions to actually tie them together really and that's kind of like the number one challenge that i'm really seeing out there is that a lot of the point products can't speak to each other so therefore you can't tell a security story so i think sadly we're just going to really just see more and more products you know that are really marketed toward zero trust instead of really solving for it that's a good point it brings me that's interesting yeah. back isn't it like tyler what is that like there is less collaboration in the market so there will be more separation between the products. Yeah. Yeah. Fragmentation of solutions instead of getting a holistic, implementing holistic solutions. That's very good. So by that, thank you very much for yeah, joining our conversation here. And this conversation has been yeah, initiated by Tyler and me. We are running a cybersecurity podcast, which is called Hack Work hackwork.io and you can uh, subscribe us on spotify apple podcast whatever on all the major platforms so if you like what we are doing um, just to subscribe us we'll uh, broadcast this uh, twitter uh, spaces talk as well uh, as a special editions uh, on on the podcast and by that i say well thank you very much for joining thank us. you everyone Thank yeah. you and, and happy new year. Happy new happy year. New year. Happy new too. year. Thank you happy very much. New year. Bye. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks so much. Follow us at hackwork.io.